What's happening? Welcome to the Curious Cats podcast with me, Ricky Spears. Today, I've got Dave White on the podcast, a contemporary artist who my brother put me onto. Uh, my brother's got a piece of his hanging in his dining room, a tiger. I uh, looked into him and my brother suggested having him, having him on the podcast and um, his, his wildlife stuff in particular really resonates with me. Fantastic pieces of art he's got. You must check them out um, and I'm sure you will. Great guy as well. Really grateful for him giving us some time today and I think we got some good insights into his work process and I hope his following and his fan base get a lot from this as well because I think he gives some really good advice or just on his process even his journey and his his mindset to his work is 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 brilliant and i took a lot from it myself personally so again thanks to him for coming on so without further ado please enjoy dave white all right nice one well thanks a lot for coming on today my pleasure it's uh, lovely to be here so i'm looking forward to chatting with you what uh what you've been besides the obvious what what uh what's been your saving grace during lockdown what you've been doing to stay sane well, I mean, like I kind of say, being an artist is a bit of a weird self-indulgent thing. So you kind of come into your studio and I'm very lucky in the sense that my studio is next to my house right. in Devon. So, you know, I've been very lucky, like I say, um, being able to just come in and kind of paint as usual, to be honest with you. So that's always a saving grace. Listening to good music has been a saving grace. Yeah. And bizarrely, I picked up a little hobby of mine I gave up about 30 years ago. I started making this little Tamiya um, Spitfire. Oh, really? I used, to, I used to make them and I used to be like really deep into it. And then obviously I just kind of left it with the work and stuff. But I just thought, I've got a little bit of time. And I've started making this little thing. And it's really quite uh, bizarrely like therapeutic and a little bit relaxing. So What is that like? The, the ethics kind of... Five. Yeah, it's exactly. But I'm kind of like one of those weirdos that kind of makes them look like photo real, but knackered and all weathered and stuff like that. So I'm just getting deep into it. I mean, I'm on page 14 of the instructions and there's 71 to go. And I've basically like, I think I've spent about 30 hours on this cockpit. Like, so. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit what, crazy. But what sort of size fun. is it then? It's not your average kind of it's, I mean, without going all nerdy, it's like 132, so it's about so big. So okay, it's about a foot. Yeah, it's quite, yeah, but it's good fun. It's, it's bizarre just doing it again. But like I say, kind of time stands still, and I've got a little, a, a little pod kind of in the garden where I kind of just go down there and just do it like so. But yeah, I've just been busy getting on with my work, really. So I see you've got um, a comp- an art competition as well going on. Well, the thing is, is like, you know, obviously people like Banksy and, and I've done some amazing kind of like, you know, work for charity and things and when he dropped that painting off. But, you know, the saving grace for me and the most amazing people have been the kind of like, you know, obviously the NHS and then you've got the postal service and then you've got all the food delivery people. And they're the kind of people that have, for me, have just kind of kept Britain afloat and made it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, well, what can I do? What can I offer? So I basically had a little brainwave and thought, I'll run this little weekly art competition. I'll set a theme on a Friday. It's all been like wildlife stuff. And I just, I'll give it a go. And then the, basically the, the, the weekly winner gets announced on a Wednesday with the runners up. And the, the weekly winner gets like an hour long Zoom art lesson with me. And I thought, I'll get a few entries. It'll, you know, it'll be a good bit of fun. And then yeah. lo and behold, this is the... 10th week or into it. I mean, I'm getting like hundreds. It's crazy. That's but it's brilliant. Been, 
it's been really good fun and really um, the most, the nicest thing has been like obviously the kids kind of getting a lot out of it, but the families, yeah. the mums and dads have been writing to me and kind of saying how amazing it's been, how distracting it's been, and I guess that's what I wanted to do really. So. Yeah, that's great as well because I, I bet the homeschooling must be must be pretty 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 intense really when when you've got people trying to work from home as well so my brother's got three kids and you know their new routine he's trying to work from home right. and their, their new routine it's like really blurring the, the lines between work and home you know so sure i'd imagine some distraction like that i was just looking at your instagram and some of the entries and I th- and it's 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 good how you say what what could i do to to sort of help and that's that's the the, the perfect thing i'd imagine what you've done there so so fair play to that I was just looking at some of the entries and it's like 10 year old 11 year old I was like that is out that's ridiculous so I was looking at the eagle and uh, there was a buffalo as well and they're like age 10 11 well I mean what's been amazing with it is it's been like weekly regulars I mean the little buffalo um the ones that are from the hide are kind of like people in Alaska I mean they're from Canada those guys they're two right. twins these kids and they're like nine yeah. And I mean, they obviously come from an amazing background in the sense that they're encouraged because their work is just phenomenal. But like, as I say, week in, week out, there's been some absolute superstars. There's a girl called um, Matilda, who's like 13. And yeah. she, she's going to be a vet. Like, and I've got to know her because she's won twice. Cool. And um, yeah, just amazing. Absolutely astounding. Like, yeah, so. brilliant. What... Um are they, are they winning anything? Are you giving them anything? Well, basically, what it is, is like, obviously, they have the art lesson, and then what I've decided to do is the overall winner is going to get, like, a signed edition. Um, like, I've just literally published this new Lion um, piece, and they're going to get assigned one of those. Like, so there's Amazing. always been a little sweet incentive to do something like so. Quality. So tell us a little bit about your journey, mate. You were born and, born and raised in Liverpool, were you? Born and raised in Liverpool. Um was there all my life and basically like you know like most people who are kind of creative you know trundle through school but I was, I, was go, I was going to ask you specifically about school and like you say most people that are creative do don't always fit in, in in school I was going to ask you about school and what you were like at school um I was a cheeky little I wasn't bad but I was kind of class clown kind of cheeky person. little scouser Geeky little scouts are taking trumpets into RE and things like that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, just got through school. But obviously when it came to art, that was the kind of lesson that I absolutely loved and I excelled at. And I actually, I stayed, I was, I, once I got my GCSEs, I kind of like was just, I thought I'll stay on, I'll do A-levels. And I went to my first day on A-levels in, in my school. And I just, the first lesson, you had to take business studies. And I just sat there and I was like, just stood up and I just went, thanks. And just walked out. <laughs> I've made a mistake and, here. <laughs> and I, and I, I literally rang a local art college, which is in Southport, which is pretty well renowned. Um, like Mark Arman went there and kind of uh, quite a few people like quite, you know, kind of went there. Rang up and just said, listen, have you got any spaces? And they just said, yeah, come along. And then the rest is kind of history. I spent three years there. And then I did my degree in, um, it was Liverpool uh, University Art College. So you didn't, you didn't, sorry, you didn't finish your A-levels, you literally walked no, out on all of them? Right, just, just walked out on all of them. I was there for five minutes and just went, this isn't for me. Because if it isn't art, I wasn't asked. So. Really? Um, yeah, and then I spent three years in Southport Art College and I had a really amazing time. And the first kind of few weeks, you kind of, you know, you do a little couple of weeks of everything. 
and like the first like lesson I think was like graphic design. I thought, yeah, I could do it, and it was interesting. And then we got to fine art, and you know, I was handed some oil paint, and that was it. As soon as I connected oil paint, that was just that was me off. Like, really? like touch, literally like lightning kind of touch paper. Really, I was just like, this is this is me. This kind of expresses what I am and kind of who I am, and um, just kind of connected. So yeah, and then obviously from there I went to my degree. Um, and I had three years there um, in Liverpool, which was amazing. That's when you really kind of discover yourself. And then it's the big wide world. And then just kind of, you know, um, funnily enough, when I kind of got out of university, it was kind of a friend of mine was like a kind of head of an art college. Um, and I actually said, do you want to do a little bit of teaching? So, to, you know, obviously you've got to get a studio and stuff. So I, I literally fell into this little bit of teaching and I loved it. And I really got on with it. But in the back of my mind, it was always going to be a means to an end. Right. Um, and then basically like... Was that after, after uni, sorry, or during Yeah, university. it was literally like directly after university. So I'd won a couple of big competitions, which was crazy when I was at university. Like, um, you know, I got in like kind of Nat West Prize for Art and I won Best New Talent in Visual Arts in Liverpool. And I was up against some like real big shots who like won the John Moores, which is a really big painting biennial. Um, and I was only like 20 and it was crazy. Um, but I never kind of lost that kind of love for it and discipline and, you know, I just kind of really enjoyed it. But yeah, the teaching was brilliant. I had some really great times and I'll never forget it because I don't know if you've ever seen the sneaker paintings I did. Yeah. Um, I did a whole series based on trainers because I'm a big like, trainer collector. And I was teaching this one class this one day and there's this magazine called Creative Review, which is like a kind of really amazing publication. And the librarian used to deliver it to the class where we, you know, I was teaching and she'd come down and pass it to me. And on the cover of Creative Review was one of my sneaker paintings, right? And it was just one of the kids who was like 17 just put his hand up and said, sir, can I just ask you something? What the fuck are you doing teaching us? <laughs> and it was just, but it was really crazy. And I just like, I thought, you know what? He's kind of weirdly right. Like, and then... I had a little show in New York coming up and I got time off from teaching to do that. And I just went out and spoke to my wife and just said, listen, let's just do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna make a go of it. And I handed my notes in, yeah. kept my studio going and kind of just kept punching the bag. And that was like a long time ago. Like, so yeah, crazy. Did you have, um, during college and uni, did you have other ways to sort of fund your lifestyle? Did, did you have part-time jobs or anything like that? I mean, I've always been like a massive video gamer. Like, I mean, if I'm not painting, I'm gaming. And I'm, you know, I'm 49 years old and should know better, really. But um, <laughs> I basically worked in like a local game store. I think it was Virgin Games all the way through uni. And kind of that, you know, kept me in paint and stuff like that, which was cool. Um, and then, yeah, no, but from, you know, once I left the teaching, you know, I, did, I just, just supported myself. Just kind of rolled the dice and just kept punching the bag. And there we go. But you had a, so the, the job in the game shop was actually not like your classic kind of teenage hating his job just to get paid. You're, were you kind of enjoying that because you're talking to people about games all day and stuff or was there an element yeah. of just... No, I mean, it was 50-50 it was, it was because I was getting paid for doing something I enjoyed. Like, so, I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I can't have any regrets about that. It was awesome. I mean, rather than like, you know, doing another job that I didn't have any interest in, I was really grateful to have that, to be honest. Yeah. And then, so you jump into the, um, you jump straight into it after the, uh, the, the sneaker thing got published. And then, yeah. 
Was there a, was there a, something that interests me about a career like yours is if, if there was ever a time when you struggled and you think, shit, this isn't going to work, I'm running out of money and, and stuff like that. Was there, a, was there a difficult transition between you decided to go all in on it? I think, I think there's always a difficult transition and then basically you become quite green with stuff and like, you know, without going too negative. I mean, you know, you, the art world, like the music business, like any kind of creative field, there's people there who would like to make money out of you. Um, and I, you know, literally along my little, little kind of 30 year journey, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've had people who've kind of been really quite nasty in the sense of like, you know, galleries taking your work and not paying you and then disappearing. So with everything like that, in hindsight, you look at it and it's basically like, it's a really good lesson. So the yeah. next gallery that comes along and says, you know, we'd really like to show you you're like, okay, can I see your contract? Can I see your terms and conditions? So every little step is just like a little learning curve. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's ups and downs with any career. And I think with any, if you love what you do in your heart, if you basically wake up and think I've got a really good idea. So from a very young age, I knew that like art was going to be it for me, regardless of how it would go. Um, so, you know, ups and downs and that's how it is. Yeah. So, Straight after the um, the the sneaker thing, did you get you got Nike's attention with that campaign? Did you? Yeah, crazy. I mean, basically, like uh, to, to cut the story short. I mean, you know, I've always, like I said, I've always been like a trainer collector, and the, the reason they started was just sitting in the studio one day and just looking at that classic green neon Air Max ninety five. I was just looking at it. I was like, Do you know what? That is just phenomenal design. And I thought these things are, you know, designed to be kind of used. And long before sneaker blogs and sneaker magazines and kind of the, the sneaker explosion, which is global, um, I just thought I want to immortalise one of these. You know, yeah. these are like throwaway items, but I like I, I always looked after my pairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I just thought, right, I'm going to paint one. I'm just going to paint it and immortalise it and stick it on canvas. And I did. And then, as I say, got on Creative Reviews cover. And then I, got, I came back to an answer phone message one day from Nike just saying, you know, um, we'd like to do an in-house T-shirt with you. And I'm like, okay. You know, spoke to the guy. They did the T-shirt. Paid me, sent me some free kicks. And then it's been like a really amazing journey with those guys. And then, lo and behold, when you get your own signature Jordan shoe, which is just... I come in here and it's in a cabinet and it's pinch yourself every day because yeah. I've never worn them because I can't get my head around it. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching kind of like Last Dance, you know what I mean? And there's, there's your man himself. And it's, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, so basically like, you know, they kind of, I've always had an amazing relationship with, with Nike and Jordan. Yeah. And it's been a very organic kind of journey. And, you know, things happen when they happen. Yeah, so it's been very grateful and, and incredibly blessed to, to have had that experience, really. Yeah, because it's not, it do, doesn't end there either. Do, like, the, what was the club with Jay Z? What was, that, what was that? Well, that was kind of like through an agency in New York. As I say, your kind of work starts getting out there. And, and to kind of put it kind of like straight, I mean, anyone that wants to collaborate with you or, or likes what you do and, and enjoys what you do, um, that's a massive honour and that's a real lovely thing to have but I only work with people I've got a massive respect for or I like the ethics of the brand I mean I'm not painting and oils on canvas and watercolor is basically that that's what I do all the other kind of things as blessed as I am to have experienced them and had them 
they're just like little added bonuses. But a collab has got to be the best of both people and both brands or, you yeah. know, artists or whatever. So, yeah. but the, the Jay-Z thing, I mean, basically Coke would work, we were designing their cherry Coke can. Um, I mean, I think it was 2007 or something. And they got specific people in certain fields to kind of do their interpretation of it. So, you know, they, I did the painting, the painting was hung in New York and then we all got kind of jetted out. It was all, I got off the plane and it was literally like just to go to this event. And I got, got out the kind of car, it was literally a kind of crazy red carpet thing. I'm not a red carpet guy. I'm just like, what you see is what you get, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like going into this crazy, amazing kind of like blue chip event and like Jay-Z and kind of all this entourage were there. It was crazy. But it yeah. was like, Okay, it's a bit weird that my painting has got me to this little bit. So yeah, crazy. But I suppose that there was you were probably rubbing shoulders with a lot of similar people in that they're they're quite artistic and probably probably not really your uh, champagne reception type of people either, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've done a few things like that, like AOL. They had a rebrand and um, they were really amazing in the sense that they got like creatives from all over the world to kind of do their kind of like headers and stuff, and then they flew me out to kind of do um, like a mural in their kind of head office in New York. And exactly, you know, you're kind of rubbing shoulders with the same kind of like-minded people. Met some lovely people. That's, and they really looked after you, which was nice. So yeah, all that stuff's just like bonus fill for me. It's like really lovely and, and great memories. So. Did they even understand your accent in America? Nobody understands my accent. It's a funny story actually. Well, every time I go to like the States, this went on for about 10 years, that when I check in immigration, the guy, like, you know, he's kind of stern-faced, you know, passion passport over, they'd always look at my passport and, like, their eyes would just, like, literally, like, go so wide, a double take, look at me, look at the passport. Yeah. I had to say to this happened all the time, I said, listen, can I ask you, why'd you do that? <laughs> and the guy goes, like, he goes, well, to be honest, sir, he goes, um, Dave White is number three on the FBI's most wanted list in America. So, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, it just stayed with that, like, so here we go. Cool, yeah, that could have been a lot worse. Definitely. Don't want any of that going on. Yeah, right. Because there's, uh, I'm quite into um, the Ultimate Fighter, and there's, so like, it's uh, UFC, MMA, yeah? Sure. And there's been a reality series before where they've done UK versus USA. And there was, okay. quite a, there was quite a few Scousers in the series, but every time, obviously it's an American production, it's an American TV show, every time one of the Scousers was talking, they'd subtitle it. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Oh, man. With, um, with your artwork and, the, and like your, your style and your signature style, is that something you always had in your head? Like, how did you, how did you develop that? Was that a struggle or is that something that just kind of naturally happens? Well, like when I said kind of like in the beginning, you know, when I went to art college and, and discovered oil paint, as soon as I connected it, if you looked at my work from 30 years ago, you would be able to tell it was mine, even though obviously you never stop learning. And I'm very much about that. I'm always pushing as far forward as I can with what I do and the materials I use and kind of, um, on my little journey. But yeah, I mean, from the off, it's kind of always looked that way. Like the kind of, the way the paint kind of runs and things. I mean, I, I've got a process, a very specific process that I do. And I guess that's just the same as you writing your signature. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's just always been there. It's not forced. It just is what it is. Um, 
So like, as I say, when I begin a painting, whether it's a watercolor or oil on canvas, it's kind of, there's very specific things that I do and certain things occur on that kind of development as a, as a piece kind of, you know, goes through the kind of creation really. So, yeah. yeah with that, I wanted to ask you, it's, it's a, probably a bit of a weird question. I'm very much ignorant on, on what your process, on the process of it. But I was wondering, you know, like with, Take the, the 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 tiger for example. Although you've probably done, you've probably done a few tigers, have you? Sure. But there was one I was looking at that's that's a full. Um, you, Walking you the, one. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like a big brush stroke on the leg, and and do you plan for things like that? And do you plan where the runs of where the paint's going to be running down, or is that something that just happens and you go? That's a really. It? That's a really great question. I mean, basically. If you have to describe what I do, I would say it's 50% realistic and 50% really quite spontaneous. And if either kind of side dominates, they fall to pieces, they don't work. If it becomes hyper real, which they look quite hyper real when I first start them, right. um, they don't look like mine. But, and, and on the flip side of that, if they get too messy and too abstract and too loose, they don't look like mine. So for me, painting's always been like kind of walking a tightrope and that's the challenge for me. That's why I love it. It's like, you just, you've got to, it's like juggling, it's like boxing. It's kind of, it's, it's very, very difficult to describe. When you start something, I don't stop until it's kind of, until it's done really. So I mean, it's, even though the underdrawings take a long time and there's layering that occurs and stuff, when I actually start, I don't stop until it's done. Um, so how long would you spend on a piece? It depends. I mean, saying that, I'm going to completely contradict myself. Because when I said basically, like, I like to kind of refine and, and explore what I do and develop what I do and push it forward. There's a few ones, just literally because of the size of them, I've had to go back over a few days. And that's only been like a recent thing. Yeah. So that's a new kind of thing for me. But I mean, if it's a small piece, it can be anything from like, from start to finish, as in like, as in doing the underdrawing stuff, it can be like two weeks. Right. But when I actually start painting a small one, it can be like, you know, 10 hours plus really. And then you just kind of keep punching the bag. And But now what I'm doing, which is kind of interesting, is a lot of this new work I'm doing is, it's keeping that balance of, of, of looking at, making it look like mine, making it look realistic. But I'm very interested in kind of, when you're saying about the tiger, that big mark on his leg, to make a mark like that, the anatomy and the structure and the kind of form and the shape has to be absolutely there. Because otherwise a, a big gestural brush mark will kind of really contradict the kind of form of something. Yeah. So underdrawing and kind of getting things looking really anatomically correct is really important for me. Yeah. Um, Under, underdrawing, what's that? Well, basically, so what it is, it's like um, if I start with a blank canvas and I'm working from something, I've done all my research, I've been to the zoos and the animal parks, I've done all my drawings, got all my photos, I'm all ready to go. So I will mix up a very thin, like light pale colour, like it's like a pale grey, yeah. and I will just literally start almost just using lines so it's not filled in it's just like a sketch right but the sketch will be like very anatomically correct and really you know all the muscle structure and the sinews and all the kind of you know form of whatever it is i'm doing um will just be in there 
So, but you're ske- but you're sketching with paint. There's no there's no pencil sketch involved. First. No, 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 no. Always been always been paint for me. So have you have I you mean, ever pencil? Have you ever sketched with pencil? No, because well, I mean, I do lots of drawing, so I do lots of sketchbook work and things like that. And I mean, I'm very interested in the thing for me and the thing I love about canvas is the fact that it's very it's like a drum skin, and it's like when you've got like a very thin brush or any pressure that you apply you can you can literally feel because it's just kind of wobbling so it's taut it's like this amazing surface and i've always loved that there's no other surface like it for me so yeah, yeah. and when you say you're always I love that you say you're always still constantly learning even now is that learning from your experience or is there other artists you talk to other artists you learn from do you do you keep connected with other artists and share ideas and stuff like that or are you does that not is there not really that community well there is a massive community and obviously there's people you you know and you're friendly with and you you know i mean i've been i've always been an artist that i don't go to other people's openings to schmooze i just basically i'm like i live down in devon now so obviously i used to be in london all the time you know be there like once twice three times a week um but i'm very much kind of falling into that reclusive artist thing yeah. Which I, I really enjoy. I mean, I'm not like kind of some crazy guy who's going to knock on my door three times to get in, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, at the end of the day, you know, being a painter is a very strange thing because it doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It doesn't matter what you're doing with the rest of your day. It's like you and this thing and only you can make it and only you can fix it and only you can bring it to life. So yeah. if, you, if you do that for 30 years, you know, you are you have kind of processes that are almost like, I don't know, I have very like distinctive ways of working, like in mixing my paint. I mean, that kind of takes two hours every time I'm going to do a painting and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the actual development and kind of further pushing what I do, um, I'm like at the moment, for instance, I'm making oil paint move like watercolour, which is kind of really interesting. And they're kind of, they're evolving and they're changing. And yeah excuse me, without giving the game away, I've been basically working in secret for the past 12 months on a brand new series that I'm looking at as I'm looking at you right. in here. Um, and as much as like Instagram and Facebook and all social media is a brilliant tool, I often think that the way the world's going, it's, it's so fast. And something that I show you now, by the time the exhibition would open, I've seen that. So this is the first time I've not leaked any pictures on Instagram. There's only two people in the world who've seen them. Right. One of, them, one of them's my wife and one of them's the gallery owner I'm going to be exhibiting them with. Yeah. And without a shadow of a doubt, I think they're the most interesting and the best things I've ever done. So really? But I, really, I really want that impact. So no, they're just going to literally appear in the world and people will be like, fucking hell, how come he's not showing these? And it's like, that's what I want. I want people to walk in and be like, Utterly surprised. Love it. Is that is that um, is that kind of what it's all about for you, or is it is it the process you, that you love, or is it what people get from it that you love? I'd, I'd imagine it's both. But I mean, being a painter is a very like I keep saying it, it's a kind of strange thing. It's like you fall into this kind of lifestyle where you know I mentioned it before. It's you and this thing, and it's about you bringing something to life. You have an idea and. If I'm honest with you, I don't even think about painting when I'm painting. I don't even know what I'm doing. That really? Cr- yeah. No, I, mean, I kind of get what you mean. I literally, 
the only thing I can kind of put it to is like over the years I've kind of gone into yoga and kind of meditation and stuff and it all sounds a bit mad but like I only know repentance kind of coming to the end when my brain will just go like right you should put a bit of purple there or if you put your brush mark just on that bit there and if I start thinking like that and I'm not on autopilot and I know it's done I just take it off and I just put it face to the wall and I'm wow that's really cool. That's a cool insight into, into like your process actually and the mind of an artist, I think, because that's, that's a complete opposite of what I'd imagine it to be like. I'd imagine there's, there's uh, like a running commentary in your head. No, that's not right. Bit of that there. And all that, do you know what I mean? But that's, that's just not the case. Now, I guess you're in complete flow, aren't you? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's like where your hand, your brain and your eye just completely at one and you know, I mean I always paint some music I mean I'm a big old school jungle fan like so I just Excellent. have that rolling all day and it's like it's just kind of crazy and I just switch off and then when I switch off is when I'm in the zone um, and that's I mean that's what it's like for me for, for somebody else so I watched an amazing documentary on um, Picasso like not so long ago Jesus what a life that guy led in the sense of turmoil Right. And it's, it's this, you can get it on iTunes or something, I can't remember what the name of it's called, and it's basically a video from the 60s of him painting, yeah. like specific works, and what he does, the, the final one he does, he's working this piece and he's putting it down, rubbing it out, putting it down, rubbing it out, and you can see that it's just getting gradually worse and worse and worse. And he's just having a nightmare. <laughs> and all of his work, basically, like, for a long time that that was his process and really? i just thought fuck me because it's like he's not got a like a completely clear right that's what i want and that's what it's going to look like he's just going around in circles all on this painting for like ages yeah and it looked the hell on earth like, I, was, <laughs> I was looking at him it's like regardless about you know you one of the most famous artists that ever lived and one of the greatest to ever do it I wouldn't change my way of working for, for anything compared yeah. to looking at that. Yeah. It was really painful to watch. So I was like, wow. But anyway. Is there, is there ever pain, painful times though? Is there ever procrastination or completely fucking something up and having to start again after like yeah, hours yeah, yeah. and hours of work? Well, the way it works for me is it's like, I'm going to say it, I'm kind of lucky in a sense that like that tightrope, I almost know instinctively if I'm going to go too far if I go too far then it's lost but I am one of these people if I have a very it's very rarely it happens but it does happen because you can't be 100% like like Michael Jordan missed jump shots and three pointers and you know it's just human nature you can't be perfect yeah Um, but if I make if I one becomes you know goes past the post and I know it's blown and I'll have to put another canvas on uh, right. I will not. I will not finish until I've got it. Because I've done that a few times. Because I, it would be pointless. Because I would just be a nightmare. Because when I finish painting, I just will sit and think about it. If it, if it was a, it was unsuccessful, I would go back into the house. Doesn't matter if I'm playing Call of Duty or whatever it is, you know, or watching a, a video or something. I would just be like thinking, that's fucked up. I've got to fix it. I'd be a nightmare. Be in a really bad mood, and I yeah. just so basically what I do is I just I just do it again. Yeah, start start again. I won't give in. That's good. So I guess there is. A, I'm I'm learning more as I get as as I look into success and listen to successful people or greats. There's an obsession. 
Absolutely. And I think that's something that people don't realise. It's not always comfortable having that obsession because, like you say, you'll, you'll be trying to watch telly or trying to spend time with people or whatever else and your mind's on the painting, right? You're like, no, I can't, I can't relax until I've done something about this. Well, I won't speak. That's the thing. It's because all I can think about is if you imagine looking at like a blueprint of something, like a kind of like airfix kit or a car, or like a Haynes manual, yeah. all I'll be doing is thinking about where it went wrong, what I should have done. But that is the complete polar opposite of my process because I don't work that way. So I'm analysing where it went wrong. Right. But really, it's like I just pushed it too hard. So I've got to be at peace with that. And I'm very much, I guess the point I'm trying to make is all of my work like if you're a, you know, a successful, amazing basketball player or you're an amazing musician, guitarist, drummer, whatever, everything you've done before really doesn't matter. It's like it's, it's the moment that you're in now. And I've yeah. really learned that. So it's like all I've got to do is just be at peace, stick the cameras back on, start again and just love what I do and get on with it. And that's, that's what it is. It's not painful. I'm not yeah. getting me fingernails pulled out or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. Frus- it's, it's frustrating. But the way I do look at it is... There's been a couple of occasions that has happened um, and it's basically like some of the best work I've ever made has been because I've lost that other one and I've yeah. got it. I would never have got it that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, is, there a, is there a procrastination? You say, you, say you, you always you do a piece start to finish. Does that mean you're in the studio start to finish or do you come away from things and go back to them well, like I say, I mean, I used to have this thing in my head that I would have to do it all in one go. And even like I said before, I'm completely contradicting. My go-to answer is I do it in one go. But the more I think about what I'm doing lately, um, and especially with these new pieces that I'm doing, where you were saying about that big brush mark on the tiger's leg, I've got a very distinctive go-to way of working. So like, and what I'm doing is I'm not rushing them. Right. So, like, what I'm doing with these new paintings is I'm kind of doing the underdrawing, doing the washes, spending a few days doing that. And then rather than kind of just revving your engine and going, I'm, I'm really not. I'm really taking my time and I'm kind of really understanding what these things are. And I'm, I'm trying to get into this kind of mindset. So I am walking away and I am coming back the next day and I am taking my time and enjoying that, really. So that's another kind of page to my book which I didn't have before, um, which which is, I think, making them better, to be honest, by by a long way. Because something that I have to say is, I'm only as good as my last painting. I don't look at them. So, I I don't know. It's quite easy to access the back catalogue. Well, I can tell you now, I, I find it quite difficult and a bit weird going into an opening when they're all there, because it's, it's, I'm kind of confronted with these things and it's kind of like, okay, I don't remember making them. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, right. Um, and, and I only know I'm as good as the last one. And I've, even from being 16 years old, that's the way I've always been. It's got to be better than the last one. I, can't, right. I don't wing, I, I never wing it. You know, regardless of, I'm incredibly grateful for all the opportunities and the people that enjoy what I do. I mean, that's kind of, pinch yourself moments as an artist that people enjoy what you do and collect what you do. I mean, there's never a day goes by and I think, Jesus, you know, I've worked hard to get here, but people who would take that for granted would be crazy. And I've, I always feel that if I'm giving someone's buying a print or an original, whatever it is, 
they have got to know they are getting absolutely my heart and soul and kind of everything you know what yeah I, mean? I think they, they must do because it's it comes out in the pictures it's funny like as as we're talking i can see see some of the ones that are standing out in my mind obviously the, the recent lion but it's um, the shark from your, I think you said it was from your private collection that, that gets me. It's just, I mean, I'm, a, I'm obsessed by great whites anyway, but the shark like, really speaks to me. It's amazing. Well, the thing is, it's kind of like as much as I can if I'm going to start a piece. I mean, the lime is kind of interesting. And there's, the thing for me is you don't want to give everything away. I mean, it's lovely doing this chat with you. And this is probably, if I'm honest with you, when you do interviews with like galleries and gallery shows and things like that, you get a little insight, but this is the first really kind of like hour long piece I've ever done with anybody, to be honest. And it's really interesting to talk to you and kind of, a lot of people might get a lot from this really. Which I, I hope so, yeah. But it's interesting because like the lion piece of it, I went back to my old zoo that I used to go to frequent, which is Chester Zoo in Liverpool. Well, outside of Liverpool. Um, and I literally went, I used to go there as a kid, and that was my kind of inception of where it all started for me, being yeah. obsessed with wildlife. So I went back there in January because I knew they had this amazing like, male lion. Yeah. I just had to do it like. And uh, I went and spent the day there. And uh, yeah, I've got this whole video of me talking about it, but it's kind of maybe it'll you know, come out one day and stuff. But, um, but the research is really important. So. You know, having to go and kind of like observe something, I need to get it in my head, really. Um, yeah, I didn't even know. I must admit, when I, I heard you talking on another interview about the research, I didn't even. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not an artist myself, so it's it's really interesting to learn about the process. But the research, I've never thought of. I love that you go to a zoo and you just sit and observe animals for a while. One one, I guess, because you you'd love wildlife anyway, so you'd enjoy doing that. But at the same time, as you're watching them, I'll guess, I think you touched on this previously, you'll see like a little interaction or a little spark or a look or something. And, and I guess that almost like, you know, a photograph in your mind or something of that. Well, that's it. I mean, the, the, the thing is, is like, there was two paintings I made last year. I went to um, Monkey World, which is not far from us in Dorset. Right. And they've got these amazing old chimps in there. And I love young animals, but I also love old animals because I just think, and especially with primates, like, I mean, if you get that moment when one looks at you in the eye, it's like yeah. an old soul. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, it's like, who's, who's checking who out here? Yeah, and yeah. there's these two old boys, and I made these two paintings of them. And I knew at that moment my work was going to push in a very different way. And kind yeah. of, I think for me, you know, it's kind of, I've got to beat this chimp. And I, I've literally, I think I've not, I, I always say I want to be better than the last one. But it's like, I think as a key point piece of work and my intention about trying to get that amazing, like kind of feeling that you get when you see something like that. I just captured this guy's soul and that yeah. was it for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's incredibly important. I tell you what I did do though, I went to um, Bristol Zoo and got to spend like, an afternoon behind the scenes with the silverbacks there. Yeah. And there's this old boy called Jock who's massive. And it's just, the things I saw, I saw some incredibly touching things. I and mean, then I saw some really quite shocking, brutal things. And that's nature, isn't it? But it was yeah. like absolutely amazing to go behind the scenes and interact with these gorillas. It was crazy. 
yeah that, that's kind of what i love about uh it's big big dangerous wildlife i'm obsessed with so obviously anything that can freaking rip me head off i just yeah, sure. I seem to love so whether it's a shark or a, a silverback or a lion but there is there's something about the wildlife you know, and i can see why people you know get in that space you know with charities and and animal rights and things why they uh value wildlife more than they might a human life because yeah. th there's kind of like an innocence to wildlife but at the same time a brutalness and a and a and a pureness to like a lion or a silverback and, and the brutal yeah. things they do. It's not like they've got agendas like humans have. Do you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? They're not scheming. It's basically eat, live, mate, survive. End yeah. And it's like, but along that journey, there's some incredible sensitivity as well. And I think that's what really drives me crazy. Um, and I do lots of charity work with like kind of, you know, Tusk and, you know, any kind of wildlife charity, I'm, I'm in there, you know, donating work all the time, you know, for auctions and, you know, year in, year out, I support so many different charities. Um, but what is kind of really interesting and what drives me absolutely spare crazy is like, I did this little run in Hainan Gibbon, this amazing gibbon in China, and it's beautiful. And there's like something like 12 of them left in China. And I just kind of, we're all suckers for technology and we all sit there with iPhones and everything. But when you realise that kind of Apple had sold 65 million handsets in that year and there's 12 of these Gibbons and it's like, it's the same thing. It's in the same country. It just blows my mind. It's like, yeah. what are people's agendas here? Um, and there was actually like a, a time that I was seriously, seriously thinking, I should just fucking go and do a voluntary thing over in, um, you know, with the rangers and kind of like um, Virunga National Park. I really yeah. was going to seriously think, I'm going to take a year out and I'm going to go yeah. and just do it. And then I haven't done it, so maybe I should do it. Well, if you get, get round to it, give me a shout, because as a kid, that was one of the things I wanted to be, was a park ranger. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we both go to... Yeah, even now I do, I do think about it, but... Um... Yeah, similar to yourself. I also don't want to get shot, so I don't know. Well, me neither, but it, it drives me crazy when you just see these amazing people who are laying their lives down to just keep these things going. Because it's like at the end of the day, a lot of the, the collections that I've done, I've done like kind of natural selection, I've done one called Critical, the new one whose title I can't give you. Um, it's all based on you know, kind of the scarcity of stuff. And when you kind of look at your list, yeah, okay, you can take it for granted that elephants are rare and rhinos are incredibly endangered and tigers are as well. But when you actually look at the list and you're like, well, actually, I had no idea these things were on there or those things were on there. Yeah. And it's like these things like penguins and chimpanzees and kind of like blows your mind. Yeah, even like things down to frogs. All of it. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And it's all... And there's no disputing it. It's all down to us. So, you know, it's very, very sad. Yeah, yeah. I, I love what you said about the, uh, the eye contact thing as well. And when you go to a zoo, you're always craving that. It's, it's funny. We, uh, I've, done, I've worked at a zoo before um, over, I forget what it is. It's London's, it's London Zoo's sister zoo. I always forget the name of it. It's kind of out west. But anyway, there was, they've got a big tiger enclosure there. And we were putting up a sound system around the tiger enclosure so they could do a talk they throw in throw in no they hook some meat up in the tree so they let the tiger out and then they do a talk as you know the tigers 
climb okay. the tree and put it it's really cool i'm really fortunate to work on it but wow. it was really interesting something that happened that actually like proper sticks in my mind so there, there's between the enclosure and the punters there's another fence and then there's a bit of no man's land right a bit of grass so you can't get sure. up to the cage and that's where we were going to set up our pa system where we were oh, going to wow. put, our, put our speakers so we had to have one of the um, park staff come and let us into this no man's land if you like this grass verge um and obviously the, the tigers aren't used to seeing anyone in there other than the uh, the park staff when they go in and inspect and feed them and whatever else anyway one of the staffs come in and the tigers sitting in his um enclosure sort of in the long grass just you know minding his own as they do and then as soon as this park staff guy has come over he's opened this gate for me to step down into to start setting up the speakers sure. he's opened the gate the second I stepped down into it, I saw the tiger turn and just looked me straight in the eye. And I was like, wow, I just got this feeling, this weird thing I've never had before. And it made me realize how primal that relationship yeah. between me and the tiger was at that point. Yeah, because now, yeah, yeah. For the first time in my life, I've seen him in zoos and everything else. But now that tiger's interested in me. He's like, yeah, who are you? Amazing. <laughs> and, and straight away, I was like, whoa, this is weird. Like, I can feel you watching me kind of thing. Did his eyes change? I couldn't, it was too far away, I couldn't tell. But then, wow. I mean, it got even crazier later on. Did my thing, um, and he seemed to show no interest. No, in fact, he went off and, and he was asleep, I think. But then, so same deal, packing up, can't see the tiger. Guys, let me in. Um, and I'm in this, in this uh, no man's land again, taking, taking my speakers down, right? Um, and there's a few punters there at this point, because they've just watched the show. And the, um, obviously the, the park staff are like, stay very aware, do not get close to this, to this cage because there's no way he could get his paw through it. But if I was leaning against it, there's yeah, no yeah, doubt yeah. that he could claw me in the back. Anyway, I'm taking down this speaker and then uh, I've seen uh, see the tiger. He's, he's come out and he's, he's sitting down and he's just watching me as I'm, as I'm packing up my speakers. And I'm kind of watching him because it's, it's very unnerving knowing that he's yeah, watching me totally. and then i turn my back to the cage and i'm taking the speaker off the speaker stand turn around to put the speaker down and look into the cage the tiger is charging straight at me wow dude and within a split second people always i've always wondered what what would you do in that kind of a situation and then i now know what i would do in that situation and that is turn to stone <laughs> just wow, okay. I literally really? froze on the spot and this tiger come charging down and then he just stopped as soon as he got to the, the fence and I'm talking he was three foot away from me staring me in the eye. Wow. And, and I literally just froze. I couldn't move. And then all the punters were laughing. The zoo staff were laughing because I think he knew what was going to happen. He was a bit more relaxed than the woman in the morning. And it was literally as soon as I turned my back, he was on me. Wow. And, and then, the t and then he just bowled off and then everyone's laughing. The zookeeper's laughing. And I, I promise you, I was, I was still frozen there. I had the speaker in my hand and my brain was saying, right, put the speaker down and carry on with your work then. And I literally couldn't move. I was like, no, don't wow. move. It was, it was the, the most strange, strange call experience ever. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, when I was um, studying at university, and I, I, I actually did animals then, 
Uh, they looked very different, they were very bright, quite comical and stuff. But anyway, it's always been there. But I used to go and do my research at Chester Zoo. And when you were a student, it was like eight quid to get in. It was like crazy money. So I wrote to them long before the internet and said, listen, is there any chance I can get a pass? And they said, of course you can. Like, so basically, I got a free pass to go to the zoo whenever I wanted to go, which is amazing. So I used to go on a Sunday morning at eight o'clock in the morning. They'd let me in. And I would go and do drawing. I'd have the whole zoo to myself for two wow. hours. It was amazing. So anyway, I'd go there and kind of draw away. And then I'd get to a point where you'd notice punters were coming in and I'd kind of be carrying on drawing. And anyway, there was this one time I was drawing this hyacinth blue macaw, right? Beautiful parrot thing. And it's just there. And I'm drawing this macaw. And this lady walks up. Parker just opened with her baby. And... We're there, and, and she says, oh, hello, Mr. Parrot. And this parrot turned around and says, do you come here often? Right, I look at her, she looks at me, <laughs> and we're just like completely, the same feeling you had with the tiger. We had that, but with a bloody bear. Like, yeah, right. I, I, I just like, did that just say that? Anyway, <laughs> years after, I would still go and I would draw, and I'd go with my, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. Um, and it had a very distinctive mark on its feather, on feather. And I would go up to him, go, all right, Mr. Paddy, would just look at me to say, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> oh, is this parrot fucking with me right now? <laughs> Honestly, unbelievable. Amazing. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Do you have, um, do you have a favourite piece or a piece that's uh, quite important to you, whether it be something like that that tells a story or, or, or one that you are just most proud of? I think... Um, you're looking at your uh, current work again, aren't you? <laughs> I'm looking at my current work again. I'm gonna. I've gone and slip it out. Um, the thing yeah, don't is, do it. I would. I would say, you know, I have an intention. I think as things evolve and things change, and a lot of people say, you know, if a, if a piece succeeds, it's when people get something from the eyes or something evokes something. Because I don't ever write about my work. I don't really discuss my work. Obviously, it's, it's a real pleasure doing this with yourself, but it's like, you know, I don't have like a statement or anything, but what I do have is I always hope that a piece that I make, I'm not just making pictures of pretty animals because I like them. It's like, there's a little bit more to it than that. And I want yeah. people to, to resonate with that. And, and like you say, it's kind of, I, I think the last line piece I made was really quite important. And I think a real step forward to kind of get that, juxtaposition of getting that you know 50 50 balance of realism and my work and expressionism but then also getting the the power and the kind of incredible presence of an apex predator along with the kind of sensitivity in the eyes and i think i think i got that with that and i think people get that from that so that's kind of what it's about really for me and yeah i, I think he's quite an important piece so yeah yeah, I'd love to um, love to see it in person. I could. I've been again, obviously, looking at your work online and stuff. But that piece in particular, you just kind of sit and look at it for quite a while. And I think I could. I'd, I'd love to see it in in person. I just, yeah, I could just stare at it for for ages and almost get lost in it. Well, I think that's the thing. It's like kind of you know, I, I used to do that. I mean, you know, I used to go to Tate every Sunday when I was studying um, in Liverpool and kind of getting lost in something is really. A lovely thing and, and, it, and, and it's almost like the art for me anyway like my the way that I work where I completely lose myself if people can completely lose myself in my work then it's kind of full circle in a way yeah what was um what was the first piece you sold 
and also what was like a moment where you were like, holy shit, someone's just paid such and such for this. I could, I could make some silly could, money out of this. Well, crazy it, talent. It, it's crazy really, because basically when I graduated from, just as I was graduating from John Moore's, um, this amazing guy came around with this, with this person. And what it was is they, what they did is they went around all the Northern colleges. So it's like Liverpool, Newcastle, Leeds, um, and they basically had an opinion that a lot of northern kind of colleges or art colleges didn't have the opportunities like Central St. Martins, Chelsea, Goldsmiths, all the London places, which are kind of, you're almost kind of on your first stepping stone, if you're good, to getting into kind of galleries and stuff. So what this guy did, he was a dear friend of mine, his name's Trevor Silver. He basically sponsored a show to pick the cream of the crop from the northern colleges, put a show on in the Royal College of Art, um, and basically, you know, got Peter Blake to design the catalogue. And it was amazing. And it was literally like, we all got kind of, I was, you know, amazingly chosen. And, and we went to this amazing show. And on the opening night, it was like my first ever gallery show. You know, it was proper and it was really exciting. And um, this guy rolls up to me, really well-dressed guy. He's about six foot three. And he's like, hello, my name's Anthony Brown. And I'm like, he goes, of Connaught Brown. And I'm like, hello, very nice to meet you. And he goes, no, of Connaught Brown. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, do you know what that is? And I'm like, I've got no idea. Anyway, he goes, I'd like you to come to my gallery tomorrow. So I went down and it's basically on kind of like absolute blue chip, amazing gallery. And this yeah. guy said, I really love what you do. I'd like to put your work in. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, the next minute he invites me to the opening. I sent the piece down and... You know, anyway, I went to the opening. I was hung next to Picasso and Hockney. I was 21. And it was like, <laughs> fuck me. And, I mean, my, even though my painting at the time was, I think it was like 500 pounds and it sold on the night. 500 pounds to me at 21 Stratton University was like a Ferrari Testarossa. It was like kind of crazy money. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, Jesus, this is unbelievable. And I couldn't believe it. And it was like an amazing thing to kind of think, wow, okay, well, it's not always going to be like this, but let's give it a whirl. You know what I mean? So, yeah, was, and, uh, and you've managed to uh, earn a living out of it ever since then, obviously. Well, I have, and I'm kind of like I say, ups and downs. But it's like you know, the, the best part of what I do is getting out, you know, being able to look after the people that I love, and you know, that's that's the most important thing. Like I lost my dad on my week of my graduation. Yeah. Um, which was fucking horrible and hard work and yeah, that's a yeah. that's a not that any age is 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 a is a good age, but that's a young age. That's, that's yeah, I was there when it happened, and it was just you know that that's what sticks with me for a lot of my life and defines me as a person really in a lot of ways. Um, but I've been able to look after my mum, and she yeah. you know has a great life, and and that's the best part of what I do. Yeah, and that's kind of the I guess the best part of being able to earn some some good money as well other than spend it on some wicked, pretty wicked stormtroopers stormtroopers <laughs> sorry but it's being able to look after like the people that you love right yeah absolutely not have to worry yeah. about them no i mean my dad was a was a butcher and you know he i get my creativity from him he would go in his shop and do his windows like at five in the morning every day the shop didn't open until nine o'clock. He would go in there at five in the morning every day and arrange his meat and his displays and his just looked amazing. And that's where I get it from. And yeah. I get his work ethic. And I, there's not a day that doesn't go by 
that I don't think how lucky and blessed I am to be able to do what I do and, yeah. and, and do this. And I just, you know, kind of, I suppose it'd be lovely to be able to buy him this kind of Buick if he was here. That would yeah, be yeah. Be- better than any, any nice car you could buy yourself for me. Yeah, yeah for someone else. Do you, do you follow that kind of discipline yourself um, in terms of, I know it's, it's, I'm guessing it's, you'd never see it as work, but again, in lockdown, I don't know if your, if your routine's changed at all or not, but like you say, you, you kind of, lockdown's not a hell of a lot different for you, but do you follow a strict routine? Like, a, like you don't do anything on Saturday, you take your weekends off Monday to Friday, you make sure you're getting up and, and you should be starting painting by such and such. Do you have anything like that? Um, I do, I mean, I'm very, very disciplined, excuse me, with what I do. I mean, basically, if I paint, I mean, it is literally, the only thing I can compare it to is like dancing and boxing for us until it's finished. Right. It's such a physical thing and it's such a mental, not moaning by any sense of the word, but like say mentally draining because you are absolutely, the only thing I compare it to, I suppose, dancing, boxing and flying like a fast jet, where yeah. you've got to be like so on it that every single moment and every single millisecond that passes you are absolutely involved. So that is quite, for me personally, the way I work, other artists won't be the same. Um, but for me, I'm done. Right. Once I've finished, I am done. So yeah. I would usually take the next day off and recover. It sounds a bit weird, but I just kind of get my chi back and kind of get my energy back. And then I'll start thinking about, and maybe I won't think about it for a day, and then I'll start thinking about the next one. Yeah. And then that's how it work. So you say you, you've got into yoga and stuff like that, which I'm sure helps yeah. with that sort of thing. Yeah, it does. I mean, I used to be a massive runner <clears throat> and then something happened to me in 20, 2012, which meant I couldn't anymore, which right. at the time was kind of really, really, I was like kind of really annoyed with that because I've always run all my life. Um, but now I can, so maybe I need to get back into it. But yoga for me has been a weird thing. It's like, if you just said to me, like, as I say, 10 years ago, you'd be living in the countryside, like in the middle of nowhere. You'd have given up coffee. You'd have given up all of those things. And I just laughed at you. Right. I'd be like, really? So, yeah. So have you have, you haven't always, you say you've always been into your running, but you haven't always taken care of yourself. Was you a classic student? Was you going out and that 500 quid that you got for that? first piece did you go and squander that on booze or have you always kind of took care of yourself uh, and not really all, all i can say is i did it well <laughs> <laughs> but what i will say to you is i don't drink or anything i don't do anything for 13 years i gave it all up and 13 what, years so what age were you when you when you gave it up well i'm 49 now so whatever that is so right. yeah th- 13 years 14 years this year actually so yeah, I just got to a point where I was like, I wasn't, you know, one of these guys who was just smashing it and just, you know, a mess. But I would basically, um, I thought, you know what? This is kind of interfering with my day and my work now. And I just went, I'm done. And I've always been an all or nothing. Yeah, it's not okay. like, you know, so I was like, I'm either in or I'm out. With anything I do, I'm either in or I'm out. So yeah. I just went, you know what? I'm out. And I started and don't really miss any of that really. Yeah, well, I suppose because uh, you uh, you were obviously ready to give it up. So, did, was it hard to give up the booze? No, no. It's like you know, I gave up smoking. You know, coffee was the, the a difficult one. Um, yeah. 
And the reason I gave up coffee was almost for the same reason I gave up alcohol. It's like, if I, I used to, coffee was my go-to, I'd get up and have it, first thing in the morning, I'd want a lunchtime, carry on, I wouldn't have like 20 cups a day, but I'd yeah. have enough to get, get me kick-started. Yeah. And then I got to a point where I was like, I had a couple of days off at one time, I was splitting headache, but I thought, you know what? My mind is really calm right. here, not being on coffee. And it's like, I kind of, I thought, well, that's a really interesting thing. So as I worked, I thought I'll paint without coffee and I did. And then I thought, you know what? I'm completely at peace here. And you don't have that kind of like angst or that, yeah. that kind of like, you know, you're on it because you're stimulated. So I was like, all right. So I gave that up. So now it's kind of <laughs> green tea and, and there we go. Like, so yeah. rock, rock and roll. Wow. <laughs> um, what could you what advice would you give to anyone who's because like you say there's a there's a there's a big community of artists out there that that aren't aren't earning a living from it that those people that want to make that transition um and i guess it's worth talking about you know being careful about getting ripped off i must admit i didn't think about there being a a dark world behind behind it but of course there is in every creative industry right whether it be you know whether it be music or, or artwork there are people always looking to rip you off but what what sort of big things would you would you say to someone who's trying to trying to find their way i would say um you'll know in your heart if it's for you so you never give up never give up yeah you know you'll always get going i wouldn't ever be influenced by other people's work i would very much discover what makes you tick and what your interests are rather than going oh well he's famous or he's successful or she's famous and she's doing really well i like what they're doing i'm gonna imitate that and there's a lot of that there's yeah. a lot of that and it's for me it's kind of like you know there's a lot of it's almost like taking somebody's soul in a way i think and it's kind of fakery in a way so i would say be honest to yourself find your own style that's unique to you find your own voice with your work whether you're a musician or an artist or a poet or whatever it is um and be honest, literally just be honest if you if you are honest as a human being and honest creatively then you can put your head on your pillow at night and go do you know what i've done a good day's work and this is me and this is how it goes but yeah the, mo the best thing i'd say is just don't give up ever yeah yeah don't like don't go away just keep going love it how um how important is social media do you think i think it's an amazing thing i think it's a blessing and a curse because i think we all fall into the thing where you put images up and it's like it's lovely when people respond to your work and i think it's very much an amazing device to communicate with people like i have i'm very grateful and it's lovely to meet i don't meet all the people that collect what i do because that's kind of impossible but it's lovely when they get in touch and say, do you know what, they send me pictures in their home and they describe their stories and what something means to them. That's a lovely thing of social media. Yeah. A negative thing, I think, is you just kind of, I don't know, it's nothing sacred anymore. And that's, like I said before, that's really what I'm trying to do with this show because yeah. back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, if you went to, wanted to go to a, a gallery exhibition long before the internet, you'd have to go personally see it get the catalogue, or if you couldn't go, somebody had the catalogue, you get to see the catalogue. Where now, yeah. it's like, you just a click on Instagram, and it's like so-and-so's new collection, and it's like, it's right. all done and dusted. And yeah. it's bought, instantly, and it's yeah. Instantly, and it's kind of, we all crave that instant kind of 
you know, I'm a bugger for it, like Instagram. I mean, sitting there looking at it and you, you're just like flicking and flicking and it becomes hypnotic. So now I've got my Instagram on like five pages in on my iPhone and I'm still looking at it. So yeah, it's yeah. like, I think, what's the point? So I think the good things are communication, bit of promotion, I suppose, but also meeting people. But I also think, you know, keeping it, keep your, your crown jewel secret, which is what I'm doing with this show. Um, yeah. is going to be more interesting because nobody does that. So. Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, the social media, I'm guessing, wouldn't have been as big a thing when you were at college and uni and trying to sort of find your way. Did you ever reach out to people for help? And I, 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 I could be wrong, but I get the impression you're quite, uh, what's the word? sort of one one track minded quite quite focused on your own work yeah. or, or were you were you often looking at other people's art, other artists and going to them for help and stuff like that i was very lucky in the sense that i um i got into glasgow school of art and i didn't go because i mean to get in there was a very prestigious place like you know it was absolutely you know one of the, the best colleges in the world and you apply to that separately from your english colleges right so but i actually was taken under the wing by quite a group of a lot older people than me. Liverpool painters, a guy called Rodney Dixon, who was an amazing guy called Dick Young and Adrian Henry. And they were like big boys, like really like famous poet, painter. Um, and they took me under their wing and I kind of hung out with them. And it was kind of a little bohemian thing. And it was amazing. But I kind of, I never got advice. Um, I just kind of always found it myself. I just yeah. thought, you know what, this is what I want to do. Um, I've never been lost. That makes sense with my work. Yeah. But like you say, I've been very focused. And even though as an artist, if I knew exactly how they would come out when I started them, if it was a production line, I wouldn't be satisfied. The chance element is, is really important. So, you know, but as I say, I, I always knew what I wanted to, to do or what I wanted them to kind of look like. So, yeah. How long, uh, how long we got to wait to see the new, the new stuff then? Well, it's when Mr. COVID buggers off, isn't it, really? I mean, the plan was, um, and the plan it's, it's still re is... It's, it's ready then, is it? No, it's I'm halfway, which is a lovely position to be in. Because when you first start something, you're like, is this how I want them to look? And it's kind of all that. So the plan is, or the plan was, is to, if the world gets back to normal, we'll do it November. If the world isn't back to normal, we'll do it maybe next year. But that's a good thing and a bad thing. And the good thing is... I get more time to do them and they get bigger. That's the crazy thing. The only bad thing is, is because all the art movers and the art logistics people and the art storage things are all locked down. I'm kind of like full of a room with them and I ain't right. looking at them. So, <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully November if the world gets back to normal. Do you think um, as it's going to be something different to that you've, that you've ever done before and you're going to be putting out, out there very different, do you, do you feel nervous about that at all? Or do you think you will be? No. Zero. No, I zero in the sense that without giving certain things away, you have to be very careful. I'm thinking here. It's like, how can I say it? Some people will love them. Some people, um, they won't speak to them as much. That's all I can say. But for me, without a shadow of a doubt, um, they're the most iconic things I think I've ever made. And, and I know that in my heart. So, you know, they get better all the time. And I also think 
there's certain key things that you make in your life and there's certain key series that you do in your life. Like I still get people asking me for the sneaker paintings and I stopped them in 2007. And it's yeah. like, you know, I kind of, I was done and I said what I needed to say and that was it. But with these, I, st- I think these are more iconic than those. Love it, love it. I'm excited for that. It's a shame we might have to wait so long, but it'll be worth it, I'm sure. I hope so. I just want people to, to enjoy them and, surprise, and be surprised. And, and what is really interesting is they're not a million miles away from what I'm doing. It's just, uh, just a, different, a different way of looking at it, I suppose. Yeah. Listen, I've had, had you on for a while, so I'll let you get away. Where's the best place for people to, um, to see your stuff? Is it, is it Instagram that you're the most active on? I guess so, yeah. I mean, Instagram's kind of, even though I'm kind of leaving the art competition up for a week and then I take it down because I looked at my page and there was like 480 kids paintings. So people who were looking for me work like, what's he doing now? <laughs> um, but yeah, just basically, like the best place to look is just um, Dave White Studio on Instagram. Excellent, nice one. Well, well, thanks a lot for your time. I've really enjoyed it. And hopefully uh, a lot of people can get can get something from that. I've, I've found it quite interesting, actually, to talk to you about your, your process and... Well, it's been a real pleasure and, and uh, you know, you, you've done some amazing questions there and I've really, really enjoyed myself. So thank you very much for your time. Nice one, love it. Take care. Thanks a lot, mate. See ya. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, there we have it, folks. Thank you very much again to Dave White for coming on. Such a nice guy. Uh, I've always said I've never met a Scouser that I didn't like and that holds true today. So check him out, Instagram, Dave White Studios. His website is davewhiteart.com. I particularly love all his wildlife stuff and I'd imagine you're going to too. Just an incredible, incredible talent and I think you can see why. Love his advice about finding your own voice and following your own path. Feel like I'm finding a bit of a common thread between successful people that that's something they're very much about. You're not looking left and not looking right, doing their own thing, head down, going for it absolutely love it so please in the meantime subscribe to the podcast please give us a rating and a review because it's just going to help us Um, but until then stay safe and we'll see you real soon